episode four, A Conversation with Andy Byers. All right. Welcome back to the Keep Your Day Job podcast, election edition. I am here today with uh, candidate Andy Byers. Hey, Andy, how's it going? Hey, Ed, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so we've got a myriad of questions here today to cover on a number of issues. Uh, but before we do so, why don't I give you an opportunity to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for everyone that's listening. Thanks, Ed, for, for doing some diligence and uh, trying to research into the candidates for local office. Uh, local government super, super important. Um, you know, we certainly see lots of things going on on our TVs at the national level or the congressional level, but um, here in, in Normal and Bloomington, kind of these local elections are just super important um, for the future of the community. So appreciate what you're doing to try to en- engage candidates and hopefully give folks an opportunity to hear in, in longer form, not just in, in sound bites, uh, you know, kind of the, what their visions are for the future of the town. Um, so I moved to town in 2015 uh, to go to ISU. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a transplant, like we have many in our community that uh, came here from elsewhere, whether for work, um, for education, for family. Um, I think that's one of the cool things about Bloomington Normal is you get a lot of people that have come from a lot of different places. Um, and I think that's an exciting um, asset that we have as we draw people, right, for school, um, for, you know, businesses like State Farm or Rivian, right, we, we attract people in. Um, and so I'm one of those. Um, so I moved here in 2015, um, kind of got involved in some different ways in school, um, got elected to student government. Um, by the time I graduated in 2018, um, just to kind of really fall in love with the community, um, you know, couldn't have seen myself really moving anywhere else to kind of start my career. Um, at the time, my, my girlfriend, now fiance, was still attending ISU. So it just kind of made sense for a ton of reasons to stick around. Um, and so I've kind of, you know, spent the last few years getting a little bit more involved, um, you know, starting my career. Um, and, you know, this past fall bought a house and have gotten engaged. So kind of from a, you know, career level, um, family level, you know, this is home. Um, and this is where I want to uh, make, keep making home. And so that's part of the you know, inspiration for running for town council is, um, you know, I think we have a ton of exciting things going on. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that we have kind of um, strong leadership um, folks that are willing to kind of take a vision uh, while also, you know, ensuring all voices are heard um, and have a seat at the table um, to kind of move the town forward. Um, so for my day job, um, we were talking a little bit about this before mm-hmm. the, the podcast. Um, I work um, as a kind of a public affairs consultant um, and work with a lot of the renewable energy industry, um, kind of permitting um at a county level, uh, local um, projects like utility-scale wind farms and solar farms. So for my, my day job, I've spent a ton of time kind of on the other side of government, um, working with uh, you know c- counties specifically in Illinois, Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas, a couple others, working with counties, um, working with their zoning departments, their planning departments, with the elected officials, um, and also kind of being you know a coalition builder within those communities, you know working with local um, chambers of commerce, economic development organizations, um, labor unions, local farm bureaus, right? So like you're kind of when you're in the role that I have, you kind of have to meet with a lot of different folks and different perspectives, um, and you know ultimately um, kind of help navigate that local kind of permitting process, and so. Um, have a lot of experience working with government kind of on the other side of the table. Yeah. Um, and then uh, about a year and a half ago, um, got appointed to the Normal Planning Commission. So um, again, in my career background, I think has been helpful um, with what I've done on the Planning Commission, just kind of having an understanding of what it's like to be going through that process. And so when we have folks applying to do different things or we have you know public meetings where uh, members of the public come and 
are supportive or, or not supportive of something. I've kind of seen that play out in my career and, and been a part of that. And so um, I think I have a, a good um, kind of holistic perspective on, okay, um, what's it like to you know be someone kind of making a decision or making a recommendation on an issue, which is what we do in planning commission. And what's it like to, you know, be essentially a, a business trying to navigate local government um, and you know trying to put together the pieces of the puzzle. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, the reason I'm running, um, again, is I, I want to make sure that Normal keeps growing. Um, we have so many exciting things going on with us. Obviously, the Rivian boom is kind of the number one talk, but you know, Uptown Normal, um, you know, all of our kind of parks and trails. Um, you know, I think we have a really high quality of life here, um, and I think that you know through leadership at the town level we can maintain that, keep growing our economy. Um, you know, be financially responsible while we're doing it, while also making sure that our core services, when folks fundamentally interact with the town, are also strong. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me and, and why I'm running. So um, yeah. It's a good deep dive. I appreciate the context. Yeah. Cool. And, and I would say also, uh, it's also great to hear your commitment to the area, because I'll be honest, as a voter, a lot of times when I see young candidates sure. with political backgrounds, there's that fear of like, oh, we're just, you know, we're just one step along yeah. the way to the next thing. So. Appreciate that. Yep. So can I ask before we jump into the questions, um, you mentioned the planning commission. Since you've been on the planning commission, can, can you give us like, what are the most significant things that you've been a part of? What, what, you know, what, what stuck out to you the most? Yeah, yeah, so I'd say housing, 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 right? Okay, good. Um, that's a huge part of it. Um, again, going back to kind of the economic boom that you know the community's in mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of houses getting built um, and so that if it's within the town of normal it's all coming through us um, so we've had some some pretty big um, housing developments yep. um, come our way um, so yeah I mean you know in terms of uh, things that we've done since I've been on again just a short year and a half I'm just seeing a ton of um, just different projects come through and, and again I think it's exciting right yep. um, because you know uh, folks that are building and developing those projects they're doing so because they see demand for new housing, right? Mm -hmm. If we didn't have people moving here, if there wasn't a huge draw uh, to come here, you wouldn't be building up all these new houses. So I think it's a sign of a community that's growing, mm -hmm. um, that's generally forward thinking. Um, so I think it's a good sign of the times to be a little cliche. Yeah, no, that's great experience. And I think, uh, yeah, yeah, the housing boom that we've gone through in the past few years is only gonna keep getting weirder. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> a it's good experience, valuable experience. Yeah. All right, cool, let's jump into the questions. First one's the most job interviewee type question I've got. Sure. Uh, can you provide a time in the past year when you've received a piece of information that changed your thinking on an issue? Yeah, you know, so I, I read that question and I've thought about it. So there's something specific in the last year. I would say, um, if I'm talking a, more, a little more holistically, I think that my, my kind of political perspective generally um, compared to, you know, where I am now, I guess, as a, um, a young adult and kind of in, in my career and, and kind of hoping to start a family back from when I was in college, I think I, I'm less ideologically driven and kind of more focused on specific issues and trying to be pragmatic, mm -hmm. um, still having vision and still having core beliefs. Yeah. But I think generally speaking, um, you know, there's kind of that cliche that, you know, people tend, when you're younger, you tend to be a little more driven by kind of firm mm -hmm. ideology. You know, I probably was one of those back in college, but now I'm, I think I'm more interested in, um, you know, specifically the local government side of things and kind of navigating issues. Um, so, you know, there's the, so to, uh, if that's a, a, an answer where I'm not answering the question specifically, but that's kind of, you know, the, my, my thoughts on it is, you know, have generally seen some kind of philosophical changes in myself probably over the years. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think that comes with age. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate that you clarified. Uh, a lot of times when we hear that sort of comparison, uh, and I've even probably said it myself, it's like, oh, it's really liberal in my young age, and now I'm leaning more towards conservative. But I think that point that you made about 
being ideologically driven versus kind of being more pragmatic um, that'll serve you at the local level. I think that's a good way to phrase it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, for me, I think that in a local government or any role as an elected leader, I think you have to find that balance of principle and pragmatism, right? You have to know, you know, what your vision is, what your core values are, and kind of know where your line is. Like, hey, I just, I can't be there on this issue, or, you know, I absolutely have to fight for this issue. But you also have to be reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. And understand that you're not always right. Um, and you have to be willing to recognize, you know, there's that Anthony Bourdain quote that, you know, you always got to be willing to recognize that you can be completely wrong about everything, right? Um, so I think you have to, you know, um, have a vision, work towards your beliefs while also being humble enough to know, hey, maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe someone else is right. Yeah. So. No, I think that's a fair, fair position. Cool. So let's, uh, let's pivot to some local issues. Sure. Uh, this first one, every time I ask this question, it feels like it gets more nuancy. Um, but uh, I, I'm particularly interested in it because I'm a data person. Sure. Uh, the flock cameras have caught my interest, right? It is, there's some smart cities element to it. There's like a big brother connotation, which is probably what enticed me in the first place. Sure. Um, there's the expense factor. And then there's the issue of you know, how this helps us be a better policing community. So um, what is your perspective on this? I'm sure you have some background on it. I know you didn't vote on it, uh, but I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with it. You know, the town you know, took a vote on it, and mm -hmm. it's something that um, the, the local kind of police department in the normal was, was supportive of, and their belief was it was something that would help um, just, you know, uh, keep folks safe in the community. Um, so, yeah, to your point, I'm, I don't know if it's something that – I don't think it's something that my understanding will be relitigated at this point. No, at the no, no. At the town level, it's it's kind of something that's been done. Yeah. Um, in terms of my general philosophy, you know, again, I, I think that, you know, there was some, some good conversations between some different um, – and, again, I wasn't involved with it. But there's good mm -hmm. conversations mm -hmm. that happened between different kind of stakeholders um, in the community when that was going through, um, you know, including uh, kind of local activist groups as well as, um, you know, normal PD. And so I think there were some conversations had and, you know, ultimately the consensus that came out of the council was, you know, this is something that we're comfortable with. And yeah. um, again, generally speaking, if, uh, you know, I think our, our, our police leaders think that it's going to be safe and, you know, the community can kind of say, hey, this is something that we're okay with, then, you know, it's okay with me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, I, I'll be candid. I probably don't have like an overly strong opinion on it outside of just, again, trying to look at it for what yeah. it is and um, listen to different perspectives. So Yeah, and I think... Um, the more that I think about that question, I think that offers us some insight into the way people think and the way sure. people make decisions. Uh, I think that one, I did my own research on that and like, again, quickly dismissed that kind of like surveillance state sure. um, conspiracy, but uh, appreciate you giving me your insight. Yeah, man, of course. Cool. Uh, next few questions, I sort of bucket them all into town development. Yeah. They're housing related, they're workers related, and then yeah. they're sort of town development related. So uh, over the past year, we've seen some growth in the job market, we've seen some really interesting trends in the housing market, and then we've seen some continued progress on yeah. the proposed uptown development. Uh, to me, these are interrelated. Uh, so let's start by talking about housing. Are you, like, what is your perspective on the housing that we're building with respect to the salaries of the jobs that are being created? Uh, again, I live, yeah. I live over near the vineyards, and sure. so we're seeing some more expensive homes getting built, but what we hear both nationally and locally is that there's a lack of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so I think two things. Um, I think that, uh, one, I mean, it's, it's a supply and demand you know, uh, industry, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, home builders, developers, they're not going to go invest, you know, lots of money if they don't think it's something that is in demand, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I think generally speaking, um, the home building industry, they're looking at those trends in our community. Um, they're making the decisions on what to build based off of that, right? Um, and then, you know, to your point, kind of on the affordable side of things, I think that 
you know, there was an EDC study done uh, in the last couple of years that talks about how, you know, we're 4,000. And again, that number has probably only increased sure. some um, housing units short. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that the from the affordable side of things, I think building more is going to help that problem just yeah. philosophically, yep. right? Um, if you uh, increase your supply uh, of homes, um, you know, uh, again, Get into you know the the econ 101 of mm -hmm. uh, you know price and quantity charts, but you know basically you know I, I think if as we continue to grow, as long as we are supporting these projects, getting them built, I think that things are going to stabilize over time. Um, and you know we are seeing some some different projects that are bringing kind of um, some that's a little more um, not just single family, yeah. um, you know three car garage types. You know there's some mm -hmm. projects in normal that have gotten built along those lines that are kind of more townhome, um, you know based. Um, and so yeah, I think it's you know, um, it's a game of supply and demand. Um, folks that are going to build stuff, um, you know, they're they're doing their research because it's their money sure. lost if what they build isn't in demand. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from a kind of a vision standpoint, you know, as we grow um, and as we build more, um, you know, hopefully that helps stabilize the market a little bit and mm -hmm. you know uh, leads to overall affordability. So, from a uh, planning planning commission perspective, does does the planning uh, does the planning commission consider a potential future recession, right? So like I'm looking around my neighborhood, mm -hmm. it was houses just as getting sold as soon as they can get thrown up. Now we're seeing like that leftover yeah. houses being sold, you know? And so, um, I guess nationally the indications are that we may have sure. a recession that may impact housing. How does the planning commission consider that? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think Broadly speaking, um, we're not going to try to be, uh, you know, economists um, yep. on the planning commission from a sense of, um, you know, we're looking at an application. We're saying, does this meet the standards mm -hmm. um, that the town has set forth um, on a planning level? Um, and there's a zoning board that does the same thing on the zoning level in those situations. Um, so, yeah, so broadly speaking, I, I think we'll, we're not going to try to make macroeconomic um, predictions. We're going to look at the issue itself, say, hey, does this fit? Um, you know, the town's plan, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to take a bunch of public input um, along the way, um, you know, and if it fits the town's plan, I think generally um, it's okay. Um, and it's a good thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Great. All right. Let's talk about workers a little bit. So on the heels of the workers recommendment yeah. uh, in Illinois, a lot of, a lot of conf conflicting opinions about that. Sure. Um, how can the town support workers with the same energy it has for businesses? Yeah, well, so one, I, I think that um, the two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? I think especially on local issues. So one, you know, I consider myself pro-labor you know, mm -hmm. and pro-business, right? Yeah. I think on a lot I think of, you can be both, and I'm not asking that. Yeah, no, no, for sure, design. sure. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, mm -hmm. um, I think that um, especially a lot of these local issues, um, whether it's just the general growth of the community, I mean, businesses like that mm -hmm. and labor likes that because guess what? As you grow, that's good for everybody's business. And that's also good for, for job creation, right? right. Um, so yeah, philosophically, I definitely think the town should um, work with stakeholders on kind of all all sides mm -hmm. um, to you know be the best town that we can. Um, so you know, kind of philosophically, that's what I think. I don't think it's mutually exclusive. Um, I think we, we should you know support our, our our labor organizations and you know also support our businesses. So yeah, no, that's pretty pretty fair point right there. Yeah, um, and I think some of the things that I've heard is. You know, like we, we make sure that our contracts include prevailing wages. Uh, we make sure that yeah. workers have, you know, have a seat at the table on various commissions and committees. So, yeah, I think, I think we have most of that, but I appreciate you entertaining that question. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and I think it's important, you know, we, we support project labor agreements, you know, where, mm -hmm. wherever possible to make sure we're using our, our local workforce, you know, right. wherever we can. So, definitely something I'm supportive of. Yeah, awesome.
thinking about the expansion project in Uptown Normal, yeah. um, do you think that the continued expansion should be dependent on the success of the previously created spaces? And I'm altering the way I currently... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good, you're good. Um, yeah, so one, again, I think um, echoing kind of some things I, I mentioned earlier and before we started, I think that, that Uptown has been a huge success, right? Um, that the finished product of the renovations and investment has been just great. Um, it's an asset to our community. Um, you know, we have lots of great events that draw people regionally mm -hmm. um, to Uptown, during, especially during the summer. So yeah. um, for me, my, my starting point is Uptown's an asset. Um, and so building off of that, I think that, and I'll maybe get specifically into your question in a minute, um, I think philosophically something that I am excited for the opportunity to do is get more housing in Uptown. And the reason being is I think that it goes holistically with what is with everything we have currently right now in Uptown and what we're going to expand to south of the tracks. Mm -hmm. um, I think that broadly speaking... Um, you know, Uptown right now is a destination where people like to go mm -hmm. um, and it's a community space. People like to hang out. Um, but I think that if we, um, whether it's the trail side projects that are kind of on, on hold now, but hopefully you're going to come back um, or it's, you know, moving south of the tracks. I think that getting more um, housing in Uptown um, will help everything holistically, right? Um, because if you're any of those local shops or businesses or coffee shops, restaurants, bars, what have you mm -hmm. um, in Uptown, if all of a sudden you're not just a place where people around the community are gathering, but you have a community itself yeah. living there, um, and your uptown like has a permanent residence, that's going to help you. That's going to help the foot traffic, right? Um, and I think that helps with you know um, you mentioned in terms of making sure these projects are successful mm -hmm. is just having more people there, right? Yeah. And I think that you know there's a lot of people. Um, you know, so I, I was actually one. So when I when I graduated, I, I lived in a studio apartment, um, pretty pretty close to Uptown, um, this Uptown North building. And like, I love that experience, right? Because it was like, okay, I graduated. Um, you know, I'm young. Um, I'm not, you know, in a position to like buy a house or anything. Sure. Um, uh, me and my fiance, you know, she was still finishing school, and so it just it just worked out. I was like, okay, I'm living in the studio right close to Uptown. Um, I could walk there. I could go you know, hang out there. And so you kind of had. Um, you know, even in our, our small town, you kind of had that kind of, you know, big city experience, but yeah. at the scale of, you know, um, the town of normal. And so, um, I think that's something that can help make everything we, all the kind of things we've done with uptown one, if we're referring it that way now, um, successful is, you know, let's put an emphasis on housing, get more mm -hmm. folks there. And especially as we go south of the tracks, and I think that'll help things be successful all around. Um, back to your question, do I think that I guess the development on the, the south side um, should, I guess, specifically hinder on what's going on on the north side. Um, again, I think it's, for me, it's holistic, right? Um, so I think we have a holistic plan mm -hmm. um, for Uptown, and I think things go hand in hand. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely am, am supportive of the efforts to, to you know, um, get some exciting things going on on Uptown South. And again, I, I think broadly speaking, a lot of these issues um, play together and we can yeah. kind of have a, a holistic plan of, of growth and, you know. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's definitely a narrative when it comes to the, the, the first uptown development, mm -hmm. called like the first and the second to keep it sure. simple, right? Yeah. Uh, with the first uptown development that, um, you know, it's costing the town money, it's costing sure. the taxpayers money. We've still got these luxury apartments that aren't rented. And so I guess as a taxpayer, that's the fear, mm -hmm. right? That, oh, well, we're just going to keep pushing sure. forward with this. What do you say to that claim? 
Yeah, so I would say, say two sides. I'll talk about, maybe just going off down a little bit more and then talk about kind of the financial, uh, fiscal side of sure. what's kind of happened there. Um, so one, I would argue that um, the investments made in Uptown have created tremendous value for our community. And Uptown is absolutely an asset. Mm -hmm. um, and again, is a regional draw uh, for people to come. Um, you know, I, I've, you know, Again, I was a student. I remember walking uptown and that being a huge thing that made me want to go to ISU. And, you know, I, you know, stay in touch with different um, students now that, you know, whether they're friends or family friends that go there, like, mm -hmm. man, that uptown normal school. So yeah. I think, you know, uptown um, is a strength for our, our, our kind of business community from the sense that it, it is kind of, um, it's a statement on how great we are. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think that, um, you know, from like having the university nearby, I think it helps be a draw to our university. And again, ISU is incredibly important right. for the town. And so getting back to the financial side of things, um, kind of the fiscal side, I think there's there's a good story to tell uh, on what's been done. Was there um, money investment invested to develop Uptown? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think mm -hmm. in 2017, I think that the, the town's debt kind of peaked at around 95 million, uh, give or take. Um, and by the end of this year, uh, my understanding is, you know, it's gonna be closer to 68 million, right? And so I think that what we've seen there was an investment made. Um, that investment, I think, has returned value for our community economically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now we have you know companies like Rivian, Ferrero, um, et cetera, coming here, um, and so we're we're booming. And so now, because we're booming, um, we're showing that hey, the town can be fiscally disciplined, and we can start paying off that bill, um, that you know debt that was accrued um, through the investments you know made in the community. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that you know to your point, uh, for someone that is is concerned on the fiscal side of things, which we should be, right? Uh, we want to make sure that the, the money we're, we're paying to local government is being used wisely yeah. and responsibly, right? That's super important. Um, so yeah, I think broadly speaking, I think that the fact that th this debt is just being just knocked out in big chunks each year after year, I think shows that, hey, we can go do um, a really cool project um, that creates value for the community and do it in a financially responsible way. Yeah. So. That's fair. Cool. Uh, let's pivot a little bit, talk more conceptually about the council as an effective body sure. of our community, right? So um, let's start with voter turnout. Yeah. Does it matter that we have such a small amount of people to vote? And then how do we engage the non-voter? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, it's super important, right? I mean, um, in the 21 election, we had high turnout, which was what, maybe 20, 25%, yeah, right. which, you know, in, uh, in an election like this, um, yeah, and again, it may be a little bit different because we have a, a big score referendum now. But and typically in like what's kind of a, a midterm council election where you don't have the mayor's race because the mayor's race, you know, inevitably draws more people out. You know, I mean, you might get what I don't know, 12, 15 That's percent, I thinking. right? Yeah, right um, in an election like this, I don't know what it was in nineteen, but I imagine it was no more than fifteen, yep. probably closer to twelve or thirteen. I'm, I don't know off, off the top of my head. You're not being quoted, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and so yeah, so I mean, it doesn't matter absolutely because if you only have let's say 15%, even 20, 25, if you only have a quarter, and that's the best case scenario of your community voting, um, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not getting um, the entire community's input. And so it just matters, you know, who, who comes out to vote, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you have 12% turnout, which 12% of the community is coming out and voting? Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a challenge. And, and I think that, you know, part of the challenge is just the broader political challenge of engaging folks in politics um, when there's so much going on, you know, at a given time, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think that, you know, the, and again, I don't know what the, what the, the average kind of um, in terms of like knowing um, elected officials would be, but I imagine most folks, I mean, everybody knows the president, mm -hmm. um, probably the vice president, but you know, once you start getting down to, US, I think people know their US senator, yeah. um, but then you start getting Congress, state senator, state rep, 
county board, city council, right? Yeah. So like, I think that there's just less of an awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think part of that is because folks are turning on their TV every day and you're seeing the national stuff. Yep. So the national stuff's more in your face. The local stuff is a little more subtle, even though it's impacting your daily life way more. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I mean, it just, you know, the, the way it shakes out is that municipal elections and it's not unique to our community, just have, a, you know, crazy low turnout. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't think that's a good thing. And um, you talked about engaging kind of the non-voter, um, yeah, it's, it's a huge challenge, right? Um, and, and again, just trying to educate people um, on these local issues um, because I think that like local government is kind of its own like universe in itself from the sense that um, I think most people can kind of have an idea of, okay, what's going on in Congress? Who's in power? Who has the White House? And people kind of grasp that dynamic. But I think that at the local level, there's so much more nuance and there's so many things that just cross party lines. Um, And it's not just like, you know, RD, left, right, um, good, bad. There's like a lot of like nuance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that makes it a little more challenging because, um, you know, it's more about specifically about issues. It's not about party. Um, it's about, okay, different visions of the town. And so, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we as elected leaders engage people broadly, not just voters, um, mm-hmm. but the community at large um, to you know, get feedback and also just try to encourage them to come out and vote. Yeah, so, no, that makes sense. That's um, my long-winded way of saying it's a challenge. It is a challenge, so. no. And so I, I'll ask this question because at least uh, by physical appearance only, you seem that you are the youngest candidate. Uh, so. I think so. I don't know what the yeah. I don't know who the second youngest candidate, but you know, I'm I'm probably you know, give or take half yeah the age of the next youngest. But I'm I'm guessing I don't know everybody's age. Yeah. So then, uh, I guess my question is more about the student voter there, right? So sure. as as a person who's like well removed from college, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the referendum conversation came up, I thought, wow, like the students should have a voice, right? Like, and this is me looking at the situation Mm -hmm. optimistically, but then realistically, I think about the students and I think how many of the ISU students are actually engaged in, you know, in or interested in local politics. And then of that number, how many actually come out and vote. And so I think we can like look at the world Mm -hmm. very optimistically and say, if, you know, if that student body had its own representative, then they could be a bigger voice in the community. But as a recent grad of ISU, what do you think about the student voter as a demographic? Like how yeah. engaged are they? How engaged should they be? Yeah, I mean, this past November, at least, we saw the highest student turnout ever. I mean, I think you had like 2,000 kids come out and vote. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's super exciting to see that level of engagement. Um, you know, I mean, there was crazy long lines at the bone of folks that were, you know, first-time voters signing up to register mm-hmm. to get out and have their voice heard. And, you know, again, I, so I graduated in 2018, so, you know, again, I'm... I'm, I'm removed from it, but still, you know, um, yeah. have some, some good connections and I'm engaging a lot of different folks on campus. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think their, their voice is crucial. Just broadly speaking, I mean, um, normal and ISU need each other, right? Um, normal, it would be nothing without our university. Mm-hmm. Our university needs the town and we need to work together uh, broadly. And that's, you know, with students, with faculty, with university leadership across the board. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, super important to, to have their voices heard and engaged. Um, and you know, again, and uh, again, I would make I would make the case that um, going back to the theme we just talked about, a local government mattering. I would argue that local government, um, uh, especially given the kind of dynamics with you know ISU and the town of Normal, I think that the, the relationships between those are so important that I would argue that the, the the biggest impact you could have as a student voter is to come out and vote in a local election because those local issues are going to affect your life as a student 
way more sure. um, than you know anything going on. And again, it depends on the issue, but yeah. Um, well, and some of these local elections are really tight, right? So yeah, yeah, and like your your voice matters more than ever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, I think in twenty seventeen the mayor's race came down to like yeah. twelve or fifteen votes. We've had county board elections in recent years come down to you know like counting the twenty mail ballots after the election. So mm-hmm. um, you know it, it can be super super tight. And so yeah, at the local level, your voice even matters more. And and hey, I mean, I, I assume they could elect the the mayor and the entire council if they came out and voted, right? right? I mean, right. like if you got you know forty to fifty percent turnout of you know twenty some thousand students. Um, if they all went registered, they could they could literally elect you know probably the entire uh, the entire town and you know probably you know most of the countywide offices yeah. if they wanted right. Um, obviously, again, the challenge is, is just engagement and you know getting folks to come out. But you know that opportunity is always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I, I I only ask because you're yeah. so closely removed to that experience. <laughs> yeah, and I am honest though, like because it does feel again. I graduated two thousand five. It feels looking back on it like, oh, there would have been this great opportunity to get engaged, but I didn't get engaged at that age, yeah. right? So um, it's it's interesting to hear your perspective. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So next question: What is the message to voters who feel somewhat cynical after this past year? And I think a lot of the cynicism stems from um, you know some of the things that happened with the referendum and whether or not districts was a good future for the town. I think the question was more we didn't even get a chance to get it on the ballot, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, so the, the signatures were there. And again, as a, as a person on the outside, I can see why some mm-hmm. parts of the constituency would just say, you know, this is system's not for me. Like, I, I couldn't get my voice heard. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I, and again, there's kind of the, the value um, side of that issue. And there's the legal side, which yeah. I'm not a lawyer, so I can't speak not to you. To speak yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I can't, can't if I speak. learned anything, it's don't try to speak like a lawyer. If you're yeah, not a lawyer. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I, I can't speak on the legal side. You know, obviously the, those issues went through the courts and, yep. and, you know, those decisions were made and that, that's kind of where we are. Um, you know, broadly speaking, yeah, I, I think it's important to, for people to, to feel engaged. Um, and you know, ultimately I think that the ultimate engagement is your vote in the election, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you absolutely, you know, um, have a right to to come out and vote. And if you think things are going good, um, you could vote to keep doing that. If if you don't think things are so good, you could, you could certainly vote for change. Um, and so, yeah, so broadly speaking, I I think that, you know, to that specific issue, I think people can, can vote at the ballot box. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of my, my general answer. You know, the, the courts made a decision and that's where we are. So that's fair. Yep. Cool. So the Responsible Cities Political Action Committee was created to push back against the rise of polarizing mm-hmm. candidates. Um, Jen Carrillo, Jeff Crabill are a couple that came to mind. Um, so what is your opinion on a nearly unanimous vote? Uh, does that reflect a lack of diversity on the council or are we a representative body right now? Yeah. I, so one, I think that the, the direction that the current council has taken, I think we have great leaders mm-hmm. and they don't all agree, right? You have some people with very different um, kind of political philosophies, but they're all united on these local issues for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, so anyway, I don't, I don't think um, a unanimous vote at the council level um, is inherently um, a sign that um, you know there's not philosophical diversity. I think it could mean the opposite that hey, all these folks have hashed out an issue and kind of come to an agreement on you know a final picture. Um, I guess to the question, could it? I guess sure. sure. Um, it certainly could. It couldn't, but I think that. To the specific case, excuse me, of the town of Normal, um, again, I, I think you do have some 
um, you know, different folks, a different perspective. They don't always agree, but again, it's about the big picture vision, mm-hmm. um, striving towards that. Um, and you can certainly disagree along the way. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think it's important to, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. No, uh, I'm not going to lie. It's strange asking you a question like that as a person who's moved to this community in 2015. I moved here in 2013 mm-hmm. and just by default of like consuming the various news sources locally, you can't help but get entrenched to some of the polarization that's sure. happened here, right? And so yeah. I, I appreciate your answer because I think sometimes it becomes a narrative, right? This polarization over a period of time becomes yeah. a narrative and you're either serving one team or another. Yeah. Uh, I understand the need for consensus on, at a local level. Um, I can also understand the need for like some pushback, but... Uh, yeah, and it, and it goes back to that point I made earlier, principle and pragmatism, right? For me, that's super important. Know your values, know your vision, know what you're fighting for or advocating for, um, and you got to know when to stick by that. Also, be pragmatic. So I think I think it's again, it's not mutually exclusive to both have some some firm, passionate beliefs and also be able to work with others that may not share those for mm-hmm. the betterment. So um, there's plenty of there's plenty of room in the middle, plenty of room for nuance. It's not all black and white. There's plenty of gray. Um, so you know we have to work together with uh, everybody on on the issues. So that makes sense. Do you think that the council as a body is a place for creative thinking? Yeah, of course. Um, I think that, it, you know, I think we should hopefully, and I think we do have folks of different creative minds and mm-hmm. different backgrounds. I think that's super important. Um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, you have to have vision. Vision is super important, right? Especially at a local level. Um, you know, where have we been? Where are we now? And where are we going? I think it's super important. I think it's commun- important to communicate that with, you know, the, the people of the town. And, you know, I've started knocking doors over kind of the last month or so mm-hmm. um, after the new year, kind of talking to folks door to door. And I just candidly, when I'm talking to folks at the door, I just see people that are generally happy with the direction of the town, right? Um, other folks that have concerns or um, certainly some folks that, that don't agree with that sentiment, absolutely. But I, I just feel that the majority of folks in normal that I have talked to at their doors, and again, that's not um, any echo chambers. I'm, I'm knocking yeah. doors of people of all parties, just people that you know I think are, are, are interested in local elections. And mm-hmm. I'm just hearing, hey, things are pretty good. Maybe this could be a little bit better in some yeah. cases. But broadly speaking, it's a great time to, to be a moment to normal. And um, let's keep the general direction going. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So No, I understand. I understand your point there. And I would agree uh, as a person who like went around and did some some signature collection for the referendum. I was surprised at the the diversity of, of people in my neighborhood on so many different levels. Yeah. And most of the conversations that we were having were relatively focused on the things that maybe they wanted improved, but mm-hmm. there was no, uh, I wouldn't say there was like an overarching animosity about the direction. That yeah, yeah, no, I, I could, yeah, because I think that people can see that, you know, we're a growing community and there's benefit, there's tangible benefits to that growth, right? Yeah. There's more people moving here. There's more businesses opening up. I think those are all things that we can all kind of get behind regardless mm-hmm. of like specific ideology is like, hey, um, you know, Rivian coming here is a objective good thing, um, you know, other things like that. So yeah, there's certainly plenty of things we can disagree on, but I think that broadly speaking, we can all get behind economic growth, job creation. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that we can all, all agree are, are generally good goals. So. So I didn't ask you this earlier, and it's not on the list, um, but as, as a member of the planning commission, what was your interaction with council members? Well, it's really not, it's really not supposed to be that much. Okay. Right? And so it, it, it isn't yeah. much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because candidly, we're kind of a quasi-judicial body. Um, so we're, we're not elected officials. We're appointed, and we're basically there to have a, a hearing from a legal perspective. Um, 
so no, I mean, uh, I've never had a single issue where, you know, ahead of a hearing, you know, someone from the council was calling me like on it. I mean, that's just, that's just not what happens. Yeah. Um, so, um, and again, cause you're, you can only consider the testimony that is before you from all sides at a hearing. Okay. Um, so yeah, so, um, you know, like as a planning commissioner, um, you know, there, there's pretty much no interaction uh, with the council outside of us making a recommendation and then, you know, them deciding what to do with our recommendation. Um, you know, of course, you know, you, you interact with members of the council um, mm -hmm. and, you know, town staff and, you know, in the community and just being engaged. Obviously, I'm running now. Sure. Um, but, like, from a planning commissioner standpoint, no, it's, it's not like we're, um, you know, like coordinating with the council in that kind of way it's a very formal process yeah yeah and and i don't mean that question conspiratorially no i no. didn't know if there was any overlap on the on the job responsibilities there so yeah i mean and, and it's and like i think the only overlap is that we're, we're dealing with issues that they're going to deal with right and yep. we're kind of the the i don't know like the the first gate that someone has to get through whether it's like in, uh, some different ordinance changes or it's um, a housing development, right? Like we're going to be the first step mm -hmm. and our job is to, you know, kind of um, take a fine comb through um, what's being proposed, have the formal hearing, ask a lot of the questions and then kind of get hopefully like kind of like a summary um, through our recommendation of, hey, this is, you know, something that meets the town standards or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so that's the council. And then again, they can, they can make a decision here. And so I think you, you called this out earlier, but then would the council, would the council's opportunity to influence some of those projects be at kind of some of those public sessions? Like, I guess what yeah. I'm asking is that as a council member, I could then be a normal citizen and go to one of those sessions and give my opinion. But yeah, what you're saying is that, like that those council members are not directly influencing the commission, right? Well, oh, definitely not. Yeah, and I and I think that you know we, we look at um, and again I'm on the planning commission, but you know mm -hmm. there's like zoning boards, plenty of other similar committees, um, and so you know we're looking at a more of a narrow interest, I would say broadly than what the council's looking at, because the council's looking at kind of a bigger picture mm -hmm. uh, on the issue, but on the planning commission we're looking at essentially does this meet the town's plan, right? Um, that's kind of been been built out, um, and so um, yeah, so that. that as in the council, they can have, a, I think, a little more kind of flexibility to kind of look at an issue a little more broadly. But, you know, again, we have to, anybody that comes and applies for something with the planning commission, again, whether it's some sort of ordinance change or it's a project um, or something like that, like we, we, we have to give them a fair hearing. And to give them a fair hearing, we look at their application, apply the standards the town has publicly said, this mm -hmm. is what you have to do. Um, and if they're meeting those standards, then, you know, generally we're gonna recommend something the council will then kind of get a, get a final decision. Um, so yeah, perfect. Well, cool. Well, appreciate you letting me deviate on yeah, some yeah, of those sure. questions. And we are at the last question of the day. Ooh, so nice. how do you think voters should measure effectiveness of a candidate? Yeah, I think broadly speaking, are, are they doing what they're saying they're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. um, is the person that you met in the campaign trail the same person that you got um, when you you know voted for them, and or when they get elected and start making decisions, right? Yeah. Um, I think if someone says, "Here are my values. This is what I'm running on," and then they go and um, try to implement those in local government, I think that hey, that's that's an effective person because they they said they wanted to do something, they strove towards those values, that's effective, right? Yeah. You know, if you get someone that um, you know, runs on one thing and then, you know, goes and kind of um, takes a different direction. Um, you know, I think you could say, hey, maybe they weren't, they weren't effective because, you know, they were trying to strive for these things and maybe they're striving towards something else. But, um, yeah, I, th I, think, I think broadly speaking, um, you know, the, the entire council, I think, 
um, you know, is, is effective from the sense that um, they're, they're doing, they're working a plan that they, they said they wanted to work. And um, I think people, people know what those plans are. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we wrap up, um, let me give you an opportunity. Do you want to plug anything coming up, any websites, any way people can hear more about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm all over the social social medias, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I made a TikTok. I'm not using it that much, um, okay. but a little bit, a little bit, a little, little bit on the talk. Um, so it's, you it's, may be the only candidate on the talk. I may be the only candidate on the talk, cool. which, you, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. if I win, it will single-handedly because of the talk. Uh, or the maybe talk China. is powerful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a radical. Um, so, yeah, you can follow me there. Um, I do have a website. It's andyfornormal.com. Um, so, you just find me and, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm approachable. Like, email me, message me, and, mm-hmm. you know, um, happy to grab a cup of coffee with anyone listening that wants to pick my brain uh, further uh, than what Ed's done. Um, and he's done a good picking. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just uh, just reach out. Um, and, again, my, my, my goal, um, you know, if elected, generally speaking, is um, to, to be a positive voice, a pra- pragmatic voice, um, to advocate for continued growth. Um, and economic progress in our community. Um, you know, if you're at home and that's something that you're, you're generally behind is being a growing community, um, let's work together to do that, so. Awesome, I think that's a great message to end on. Thanks for the time. Cool, man, thank right. you.